FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to a uh, X-Celebration flashback episode. I'm your host, Jason. Shoot him with the fat beam, Venable. And I'm joined once again by flashback co-host Cameron. I've got helmets inside of helmets, Sinclair. <laughs> I do. How's it going, man? That's good. That's my tinfoil helmet that I wear under my normal helmet <laughs> to keep the uh, radioactive beams out. Yes. Aluminum foil! Foil! <laughs> uh, oh, good old weirdo Al Yankovic. Yep, yep. Classic. A classic of classics. Speaking of classics, so the focus of this episode is going to be the... Wait, are we recording? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's going to be the 100th anniversary of Giant Size X-Men, or... By that we mean issues, not years. It hasn't been a hundred years since Giant Sides came out, but it's been a hundred issues of X-Men since our new team. And so Wait, they... you mean it wasn't 1878 when the new team came out? <laughs> no. Amazingly <laughs> enough, it, it was not. <laughs> anyway, I'll make a history joke, but I'll leave, I'll leave everybody alone. <laughs> uh, Daniel Boone was really a mutant raccoon. That would be 1760. Oh. Just saying, man. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, issue 193 of Uncanny X Men marks 100 issues of our new team, our all new X Men. So, that's pretty cool. Of course, that team includes Wolverine. So, hey, snicked away, right? That's right. There's um, Wolverine there. So, you care. He rhymes too, ladies and gentlemen. I feel like I made a variation of that joke a while back. I feel like you did too, yeah. yeah. We didn't, don't care, but... One of our fans can scour through the old episodes, (laughs) our back issues, if you will, and see what you can find. I want someone to make a meme of it, like uh, (laughs) like people do for How how Did This Get Made? That would be really funny. That's what we're missing, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Uncanny 193, and then we'll throw in 194 for good measure. We've had this backup story of Nimrod going on, and we'll finally get him in full force. Those will be our two issues in this episode, and um, yeah, so here we go. Okay, so first up, we're going to cover Uncanny X-Men 193, which, like we said, 100 issues since Giant Size. That's, That's pretty cool. I mean, this team... It's been through some changes, some ups and downs in the lives of our merry mutants, but um, you yeah. know, kind of the core of the team has stuck together. I mean, at least Wolverine and Nightcrawler have been the same all the way through. So Colossus, those are my two faves. Team. Yeah, Colossus and Storm, Storm, just until very recently. Yeah. So she's kind of taken her first sabbatical, but um. Yeah, you just add a few Kitty and Rogue and. Yeah, well, Kitty's been there almost. Almost is the pretty early on. Yeah, pretty early. Well, meh. Yeah, not as close as I seem to remember in my mind, but still pretty close. Yeah, so anyway, this issue is War Hunt 2, and this is written by Chris Claremont with art by John Romita Jr. and Dan Green, letters by Tom Orjakowski, and colors by Glynis Oliver. Oh, not Glynis Wine. 
No, no. We've had a couple of issues where she uh, post-divorce or separation or whatever they're doing at this time. But yeah, she's what? back to Gwyneth Oliver. Oh, it's the same lady. I, I yeah. remember that now. Yep. I was I was going to make a joke about colorists named Glennis. There's so many that, of them, yeah. But I remember it's the same lady. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, our cover is by John Romina Jr. and Dan Green. And um, basically, it's a bunch of X-Men fighting stuff. And I will say, in my opinion, so we have uh, Thunderbird 2 fighting Wolverine. And that's kind of our front and center of the cover. Yeah. And I thought that part looked really cool. And then we have a bunch of stuff on the rest of the cover that looks kind of crappy. I agree. I don't understand why Kitty is dressed like the Hamburglar. <laughs> I don't get why anyone thought that was a good costume for her. And, and it doesn't, thankfully, only last a couple of issues. Yeah. Because um, it, it's literally, it doesn't even make any sense. No. She just has a jacket that's too big for her. On. Way too big. Like she stole like a, It's like, like a, she uh, got busted sweeping over in Peter's room and took his jacket. <laughs> she took his giant shirt. Yeah. And then she has like an... Like the kind of mask that when you're little kids, you find a strip of paper or a strip of cloth and cut holes in it and put it right. on. Right, yeah. And that is your, that's her mask. No, it's terrible. It's, it's worse than what immediately came before, which was her and kind of the uh, mm-hmm. aviator clothes, but they were blue and black yeah. with a scarf. And it's yeah, a whole lot worse than what we have immediately after, which actually starts, starts getting really close to the classic shadow cat costume. Yeah, uh, there's a few issues here where she just has this enormous jacket on for no reason. <laughs> it is stupid. It's really funny. But Rogue's costume gets a little better, I thought. Yeah. I think, or is that the next? I don't remember. I don't remember. <clears throat> I think you're right, but that might be the next one. Now that I think about it, too. Oh uh, no, it's, it's this one or part of it. All right, so it gets better this one, and then it gets better again in a couple issues. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, anyway, 193. Take a trip with me, if you will, back to Giant Size X-Men number one. Okay, hold on. Okay. All right, I'm ready. Now skip that and go to, uh, shoot, was it X-Men 94 or 93? Where old T-Bird bites the bullet. Uh, or both. Was it both, maybe? Anyway, I think it's, it, oh, it spanned it, maybe? Yeah, so right after Giant Size, the X-Men fight Count Nefaria and his Animen at this base in Colorado. And we have our first X-Men that dies, uh, Thunderbird, Jimmy old Jimmy Proudstar. And uh, that kind of haunted the X-Men for a while. It's actually a pretty good moving story. So anyway, just kind of keep all of that in the back of your mind. Yeah. And know that this is going to pick up some of those threads. All right. So, <clears throat> me, me, me. All right. <laughs> so, Banshee is out for a run when he is attacked by the quote-unquote ghost of Thunderbird. Professor X wakes up in a Morlock tunnel where Callisto gives him the nickel tour. The gimp is no longer sweeping. <laughs> the healer healed him, but not all the way. And uh, dressed him up in some uh, bondage clothes. Some Morlock kids get shot, and Callisto gets understandably agitated. 
We find out that the ghost of T-Bird is really just his younger bro, John Proudstar, whose mutant power is to be stronger than his brother. Who was, as we always said, kind of strong. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so now he is a little more than kind of strong. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's stronger than his big brother. That's, that's all he is. Yeah. So he, of course, or not of course, for some reason, blames the X-Men for his brother's <laughs> death and vows revenge. His hellion teammates offer to help, but that makes him kind of pissy. The X-Men are training with Cannonball in the danger room. They all giggle when uh, Professor X shows up in his quote-unquote punky clothes. <laughs> Professor X takes a bubble bath and laments his uh, life of a high-class prostitute, uh, realizing <laughs> that his powers are injured as well as his body. James Proudstar contacts the X-Men, taunting them with his plan to kill Banshee unless they can find and stop him. Wolverine reminds everyone of what's at stake, but the X-Men head off to rescue Banshee at the NORAD base where Thunderbird was killed. Nightcrawler teleports everyone in. The Hellions attack a guilt-ridden, exhausted Professor X on the Blackbird. Uh, Rachel freaks out and melts down when Nightcrawler asks her to psychically scan for Banshee because this reminds her of her days when she was nothing but a hound dog, crying all the time. Uh, with Kitty's phasing to aid him, Wolverine tracks the uh, captured Banshee. Uh, Nightcrawler beats himself up for not being a very good leader. Roulette, you don't need to really know who she is, uses her quote-unquote luck powers to make the X-Men get detected, even though they're sneaking around. An empath, who you don't really need to know who he is either, uh, nudges the guards to use a lethal force. Because he nudges them like emotionally, like that's his power. He can persuade people. Wolverine finds Banshee and fights T-Bird too. Kitty phases Banshee free. Knockout gas uh, knocks out Kitty, distracting Wolverine and allowing T-Bird II to escape. But T-Bird Jr. can't leave the X-Men to die, so he rescues them. But he's still burning on burning for Professor X. Meanwhile, Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Rogue battle Sekbots. <clears throat> Get your mind out of the gutter. No, security bots, not oh. sex bots. They capture Nightcrawler, but Colossus holds his own until Firestar literally removes him from the fight. Empath makes, uh, he gives Nightcrawler a little nudge and makes him go berserk, and then escapes. Rogue rescues Colossus and Firestar from Firestar. No, I said that right. Wolverine knocks Empath out with a snicked. Pretty sweet. Uh, but the Sekbox mount a second attack. <laughs> Sekbox mount. <laughs> Rachel finally comes to and senses their trouble and leads Nightcrawler in their direction. T-Bird Part 2 finds Professor X alone on the Blackbird. They argue, but T-Bird the sequel can't bring himself to murder. Everyone gets away, but now, oh now, the X-Men are officially wanted. T-Bird, Dose, and Firestar are leaving to go back to the Massachusetts Academy. <laughs> Much to everyone's shock, but still they leave on good terms. That's what, that's what you call a callback, by the way. Um, uh, epilogue. Oh, there's an epilogue. Nimrod is from the future, 
But this ain't his past. And he's going to go after the bad mutants. There you go. Yeah. All right. So, I did think it was cool on page two. Banshee kind of refers to Wolverine as a standard. Uh, like he says, uh, talking about uh, John Proudstar says, his skill and power, they're on a par with Wolverine. Yeah. And then also on page two, uh, suck it, Banshee. <laughs> yeah. I was going to comment on on uh, Warpath's giant uh, crotch-in-your-face move that yeah. he does to Banshee. Who's Warpath? I mean, uh, <laughs> Thunderbird 2. Not yet. <laughs> Someday. That's right. He, doesn't, he takes that name, I guess, um, later. Sometime when after he joins New Mutants. I think. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I, I forgot. I totally or forgot. Or maybe right after this. Because after this, he decides, like, he's going to try to actually like, honor yeah. his brother. So he may change his name. I don't remember. I forgot that he was part of the Hellions. Like, I just forgot about that whole thing. I actually I mean, kind of did, long. too. Yeah. And I forgot that he, that originally he went by Thunderbird. Again, not that long, but I just right. forgot those things. But yes, I thought that was, that was a, a, a weirdly drawn shot. Yeah. I don't know why John Romita Jr. thought. Well, and why are his legs so spread out? Right. It's not like not, he's, stand, he's towering yeah. over him. It's like he's literally squatting on his face. No, <laughs> I was going to say straddling, but yeah. <laughs> well, either way. You can say uh, squatting on his face, too. <laughs> either way, it's an unpleasant result for Banshee. <laughs> right, right. I mean, probably. Well, yeah. Banshee might like that. I don't know. Banshee as a straight man, from yeah. what we know. Yeah, yeah. I he's see. been pretty in love with Moira, so. He would not appreciate that. Yeah. So we joked about Professor X looking like the Gimp in his uh, S&M costume, but yes, I also said, or that time Professor X was a Judas Priest. <laughs> yeah, but with Callisto, they definitely could have a little 80s hair band. Yeah, man, definitely. A little 80s metal band. I that like the full like scale. Go. Oh, what? I, was, I like the old-timey train. Yeah, I was. Just, that's what we were saying the same thing. I yeah, like the full-scale locomotive in the sewers of Manhattan. <laughs> it's, it's not even like, here's an old subway. No, uh, no, it, uh, it's an old west train. <laughs> yeah, it's like an old-timey train that they <laughs> put under down. That's probably a steam engine train. Yeah. Which I'm not even sure how you do that underground. Everybody can oh. suffocate. Woo, but, yeah, but, you know, I'll get secondhand smoke. Um, asphyxiation, Callisto. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, we already commented on a Shadow Cat's costume, but I had another note that it was terrible. But, yeah. I don't know about you, I really enjoyed Cannonball here. It kind of made me wish I, he was already an X-Man. Yeah, I liked that. Not I thought that whole, that whole training scene was pretty cool. Yeah. Of course, Cannonball is my favorite of the uh, first-gen New Mutants. So. I agree. He's one of the few that I think really, they really had a good idea with him and, and, and it made sense and he kept going. Right. Like a lot of the new mutants, you know, we've talked about this a bunch of times, but I yeah. just didn't find compelling. And uh, But he was one that, that they did. And his power was was interesting enough and unique enough. And he was a cool character. So Yeah, he was a cool character. I like that when Colossus punches him, like head on punching, and then he just kind of rolls back and laughs. Right. And then Kitty yells at Colossus. <laughs> no, she finger wags. He does finger wag. 
in her jacket. I think that jacket gets bigger in every every panel too. <laughs> Because it looks like a parachute towards the end of the comic. So yes, I think it does. It's growing. I like how Wolverine always smokes after a danger room session. Like he just got <laughs> laid. It's cathartic, man. Yeah. Get those endorphins going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So do you have anything before page 13? Because that's where I'm headed. I'm, I'm, um, going, I'm going for the bubble bath. <clears throat> for the bubble bath, no. So, uh... Not trying to be dirtier than necessary, but uh, did Professor X psychically masturbate in the tub? It looks like it. Because he mentions he mentions two phrases that kind of led me in that direction. Yeah. He talks about, quote-unquote, examining myself, <laughs> and then Nightcrawler catches him in a, quote-unquote, awkward moment. <laughs> well, maybe he was just doing a testicular cancer check. Okay. Yeah, just making sure the boys are okay. All right. Yeah, but he's very sweaty. <laughs> Or maybe it's supposed to be bubbles on his face, but that seems know. like a weird thing. Yeah, I don't know. What is that on his face? <laughs> or, or can he give himself a money shot? Or no, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> but just you know. Uh, all right, turning the page. A um, <laughs> lot of weirdness that comes out of that. Yeah, and it's just strange. I don't. We're like we're like in a rampage of like bath scenes lately in the X Men. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. But, um, it's weird. Anyway, I really like Wolverine on the next page, kind of his rationale and like, hey, I'm not saying we shouldn't do this. I just want to make sure everybody understands what we're doing, you know, yeah. and what it means. And I just thought that was really cool. Like, it's gonna put us in a bad light. Where, what does it say here? Um, you know, he talks about the plant, the. Thunderbird, the second's plan, like how it puts someone in a no, no-win situation, like we either right. let Banshee die or we become criminals. Like, what are we going to do? And I think everybody knew what like they were going to do, but I like that he was kind of the voice of, let's make sure we all understand what we're actually doing. And I just thought that was cool. Right. And I like how Wolverine often, often plays that role. You know, because you have like the Cyclops, who's the oh, we can't do this because of all these issues. Right. Wolverine's always the, okay, let's do it, but just so you know. Right. <laughs> you know, it's never like, we can't kill him, we can't do this, right. this is too violent. It's all He's always a yes. Whatever whatever yeah. the situation is, he's like, let's do it. But just so everybody knows, this is going to, it's going to have blowback or whatever. Right. I just think it's really interesting. Yeah, I like his, his self-awareness of his own yeah. kind of nature. I think it's really cool. Yeah, because it's, it's a good mix of him being willing to do all of the crazy stuff, but with, but understanding and recognizing what it means, you know. So he's not just the guy that just goes on. He's not he's not the loose cannon, you know. Right. But he's also not the oversensible. He's a weird mix of a of both, I guess. Um, more Hamburglar. Yeah. I thought this. Oh, so on page, back to page fourteen though. At the end, uh, who? So who's staying behind? Professor X talks to somebody, and we have what looks like Colossus and Wolverine in that panel. And he says, do what's necessary to protect the estate and the new mutants while we're away. I want us airborne within the hour, but everybody in that room goes on the mission. Like, who's he talking to? <laughs> yeah, not, you have I'm any idea? Sure. Is he talking to Cannonball, maybe? Yeah, maybe. But he's not in that little group right there, is he? Because we have, we have Rogue, Kitty... 
Rachel, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and Wolverine. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole team, and they all leave. So I don't I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, he tells someone yeah. to, to watch the base, and then no one no one listens to him. That's what I'm assuming happened. Everybody leaves. Yeah. Maybe he wanted them to tell someone else. Ah, uh, okay. Or maybe he's talking to the computer. Maybe maybe this is the first precursor of danger, our sentient <laughs> danger room. You know, hey, stay behind, watch the kids, protect the base. Yeah. Yeah. So on the next page, other than the Hamburglar uh, face, I really enjoy this kind of garbled mind link. Like between the lettering and the art, it just looks really cool. Because the lettering kind of, if you don't have the comic, it kind of, they scratch out part of the letters. So you can see what it says, but you can't really see it. Yeah. That's always a nice touch. And the faces. Like the, it looks like a, like a static TV almost. Yeah, yeah. But, but their hip faces are all like kind of just missing bits. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I like that too. The Max Hedron scenario. So the black suit with the yellow X is marginally cooler than the yellow suit with the black X. Marginally. Yeah. Um, it looks a little bit more. It looks a little bit too much like Havoc suit to me. A little bit. It's definitely more X Men looking. Yeah. Than the bright yellow. Than the Wes Anderson X Men. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I kind of like this panel where Manuel and Xavier are staring at each other. Is Manuel Empath? Mouth. It's really weirdly drawn, but. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like that face off. Face collision almost. Yeah, no, it's really cool. They're side bo- side attacking each other. Yeah, it's pretty pretty neato. I think it's weird they always show impasse powers right through out of his eyes. And I'm yeah. not familiar enough with that character to know like what that represents. But I don't know. On the cover <clears throat> and whenever he uses his powers here, there's always like a twinkling in his eye. I like how how you kept saying impasse powers. Or that he could give someone a nudge. Yeah. I think that's funny because I thought basically Impat's powers are that of an above average salesman. Like he's just <laughs> good at convincing people to do something. Right, right. <laughs> like you walk into the store just to buy something small, he convinces you to buy a dryer. Right. And there you go. That's his power. Oh, by the way, I can't remember if we had this issue before or not. So if I already said this last time, I apologize. I really enjoyed Colossus's outfit. You know, we did have it the issue before. Okay. We haven't had it since you've been on. So do you like, you like this better than the evening gown outfit, right? <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not my, it's still probably not my favorite Colossus outfit. No. It's definitely better than the, the evening gown. And then, Kitty's giant shirt that's growing. It looks like a cape in this picture. Yes, it like does. She's about to fly off. It looks she like is. those glider suits that people yeah. wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks like. And then the next panel or next page, it looks like a trash bag. Mm-hmm. Like she's Missy Elliott. <laughs> she's she's joined the wrestling team. She's trying to get down to weight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this true. this this uh, three panel of the the building, like the cross section of the building. Yeah. It's all slanted. I thought that was really cool looking. You know what that reminds me of? What's the that? pit from G.I. Joe. How they would always do that in the G.I. Joe comic and in the yeah. uh, little, um, the toy like uh, bro- yeah. brochures or whatever you want to call it. 
But yeah. yeah, I was actually thinking some very something very similar. Yeah, just no, that kind of toy idea of having kind of the different levels and opens up. Right. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. Anything that reminds me of the GI Joe comic is a okay in my book. I I agree with that. I wrote on page twenty one Boo Roulette, but I don't remember why. Oh, I think just her powers. I think her powers are stupid. It is stupid. It's like. And the fact the that she like drops those little power. firecracker things, like what is that about? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I do like the fight scene between Wolverine and Thunderpath too. Thunder Thunder Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Thunderbird part two. I don't even know where that came from. Thunderbird. I like that panel. The the fight. Although Wolverine doesn't pop his claws, which I think is kind of interesting. And he doesn't <laughs> want to kill him or yeah, well, I, I know, I know yeah. why. I just think it's an interesting part of that. I think it's cool holding. too, though, that he talks about how good a uh, proud star is when he says, "But I'm the best." Yeah. So we get some more Wolverine being the best. But yeah, I agree. I particularly uh, the two well, was really one panel with two scenes with no background. I really yeah. like that one a lot. I like that a lot too. And Wolverine says. I'll be along as soon as I've taken care of business. Taking care of business. Yeah. Which I like. I like that. I do too. Seems very Wolverine. Yeah, Just definitely. Taking care of business. Yeah, that whole rescue of Banshee is pretty <clears throat> cool. I thought yeah, it was weird uh, that Kitty fainted and like a spotlight shone on her. Like I felt like we were in a high school play. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a weird, a weird way to do that. Because everything is pitch black except for Kitty. He's like in this halo of light. <laughs> It's just really, really bizarre. <laughs> With her little hamburger outfit, it looks like an old like detective comic where the the cop spotlight shines on her right in the middle of her crime. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. That's funny. Um, I really like Rogue Fastball Special with Colossus. Yes, I thought that was really cool too. I thought that was really cool. I didn't. I don't think they've done that before. I don't that think I can so. remember. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't care that much for the sex bots. No, they're kind of weird looking. And I'm going to keep calling them sex bots because it's fine. funny. Yeah. Okay, just so you know. They look like hammerhead sharks to me or manta rays. Ooh, but yeah, they look kind of like those, what are those, shidries or skidries or whatever that we had? Yeah, the little alien thing. Yeah, back with the Star Jammer story. Yeah. Yeah, they look a lot like that. That's kind of weird. Um, I also really liked... There's a panel where Wolverine finally does pop his claws. Yeah, the, the feigning snitch. Really cool panel. Yeah, I thought that was really Maybe cool. Maybe the best panel of the... Uh, <laughs> it's pretty close. Comic. And then the then on the next page, all these cops, the way it's drawn, it looks like they're shooting their guns in the air. It does, yeah. Like they all look like they're just pointing their hands straight up. Like a celebration. Shooting, going, yeehaw. But, but uh, going back to that snick, I like the empath yeah. faints. <laughs> like like Wolverine pops his claws and impasse like oh <laughs> he got the vapors <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like oh my this <laughs> falls uh, I, I, I call like that, that a feigning snicked yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I do also like how Kitty reaches out from the ground to grab to grab his foot yeah Thunderbird's foot Thunderbird's foot because it's so creepy. It's a cool panel. It's not done creepy, but like just the thought about, you know, in any other movie where someone reaches her hand to the floor and grabs someone's right. foot. Yeah. It's like such a classic, like creepy, scary movie scene. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah. On the bottom of that page, on page 32, when we actually do have a spotlight from the robots, the sex bots, I really like the way that looks with uh, Wolverine and Kitty in the spotlight. Yeah. I like that. I also like the way he's lighting his cigarette up. Yeah. Yeah, the coloring. Again, just the background of that. Gwyneth Oliver for the 80s continues to be a great colorist. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, that spotlight picture is pretty, uh, that's pretty awesome. Pretty spot on. Pretty spot on. If only Kitty wasn't wearing the hamburger outfit, yeah. that would be an I, I would be an almost iconic panel. So you know what I hate? What's that? I hate, like, girls who have, like, a four-guard shaved head with bangs and a braided ponytail. <laughs> Are you sure her head's shaved and it's not just pulled back really tightly into the ponytail? I don't know, man. That's what I kind of thought, but... Because earlier she had short hair and a rat tail, like in the issue before this. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. So, I don't know. It's kind of drawn in a way where it could go either way. Yeah, I guess it, it could. These panels here. But I think, but I, I remember your, I remember that in early ones. She has more of a shaved head. Yeah, I don't mind that. But I'm not as much of a misogynist as you. Oh, okay. I used to like 80s women's haircuts. <laughs> Any grown woman in the 80s, you do not like. <laughs> I, just, I, I just want everyone to have a really good perm. That's all I'm When you about. were a kid, you were into older ladies. <laughs> now that you're grown up. I, I just don't think the 80s were kind to hair, for the most part. I don't think anybody looked good in the 80s. Yeah. Even yeah. like stuff that was supposed to be sexy. In comics or proof. wasn't sexy. Yeah. High-waisted jeans, the bangs, the permed hair, none of it, none of it looked good. I don't care what anybody says. Hey, well, speaking of bad hair, and specific to a time period, did any of the X-Men in the 90s ever have, like, the poofy bangs? Do you remember? I don't know. I don't remember that. I don't that. think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Looks we'll, like we'll have, somebody should have, though. Yeah, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that one. Um, yeah. So I really like... Uh, the confrontation or the conflict, maybe a better word, between uh, TV2 and Professor X. Yeah. Because that whole scene just felt very, um, had a lot of pathos in it, I thought, for both characters. I just thought it was really cool. Uh, and then the yeah. scene with him, like, he's got the knife he's going to stab, and he starts getting the shakes, and he drops it. And You, you notice, know. though, in that, that panel where it's got his head four times? Yeah, that's a funny <laughs> panel. His hair gets bigger. Oh, man. You might go through every conceivable emotion. Yeah, well, and his hair gets bigger with each one. Yes, yeah, it does. He starts out with regular hair and then it gets giant longer. And then a little longer. Craven the Hunter towards the end. (laughs) Yeah. And I like the dramatic knife pose. Like he's doing like a ceremonial ceremonial killing (laughs) of, of Xavier. He puts that arm way up in the air. Like Xavier's. Xavier's not that helpless for him to be able to hold the knife up that far for right. that long. And Xavier just sits there. Right. Oh, don't stab me, please. Please, that don't. That's really weird. I should move. But he doesn't. And they immediately determine that they're, they've been misled all along. Yeah, yeah. Everything works out in the end. It's a very, very quick wrap-up. <laughs> all is well that ends well. Yeah. Well, anything else on this one? Uh, do you have something about the epilogue? I feel like I had something about that, but uh, just what happened in it. I don't really have anything particularly. I guess I do either. Nimrod is is weird looking. I don't understand why he looks like why like he has a, a widow's peak. Lives in his mom's basement. basement. 
Because he's a grown robot that lives in the guy he rescued his basement. I guess so. But then he doesn't look anything like that in the next comic. No, no, no. This is him trying to assimilate to society. Just regular, regular, regular Nimrod. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you have good old Nimrod speech. Yeah. Which, it's not quite as bad as I remember it, but it's still not great. No, it's not great. It's weird. It's weird 80s robot talk. Yeah. yeah whatever. Yeah, so uh, what do you think of the art? It's good. It's got some yeah. good stuff. There were really only... A- only a couple of things that I that I looked at and thought, I don't know about that. Right. And that was usually the minor stuff. I mean, otherwise, most of it, maybe the crotch shot was a little weird, but... <laughs> that was strange. But, uh, yeah, it's good. And, and there's some fantastic panels. Yeah, no, I thought the art was I really it's great. mostly good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. What do you think of the story? Uh, I, it's interesting. I, I told you before I didn't read it as closely as... As now, now going back, I kind of wish I had read it a little more closely, uh, just because it, it is, it's more interesting than it kind of, in first pass, I kind of expected it to not be very interesting, because right. I, the idea, you know, the Thunderbird 2 thing seemed weird, uh, you know, the train and the Callisto and all that, so I was kind of like, I don't know where this is going to go, but, but as you get into it, it's, it's, good, it's a good story, it's interesting. Yeah, no, I I, I oh, thought it was a good follow up to that story. Yeah. Um, and so the difference kind of between why I like John Proudstar a lot more than James Proudstar, I think a lot of it is just because James was in like three issues. Right. <laughs> but I think also like you have this sense of like Thunderbird has a backstory going on, and maybe it's just because of his brother. But, you know, we had all this, like, like when James was around, he was, like, this really, like, tortured, like, oh, I don't really belong in this team. I got to prove myself. And, but you never really understood why other than a very general, it's because he's Native American, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and he's, you know, off the reservation. So he's got to, like, win his way in a white man's world. And, th- and there's, I guess, something to that. But he never really felt fully developed. And then you have uh, John come on the scene, and whether he should or shouldn't blame the X-Men, at least he has, like, really good motivation, like, as a character. Like, you understand yeah. what he's doing and why he feels the way he does. And, I don't know, I just, so, uh, that's, I, I actually like when he becomes Warpath uh, quite a bit. I think he's a good character. He's one of my, he's up there as far as the, just the X-Men bruisers. Like, yeah. he's, he's a pretty good one. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you're. I think you're right on about the difference between the two. And part of it, I think, is maybe just writing. You know, because right. James, like you said, he was very one-dimensional. There really wasn't anything to him except the fact that he was an angry guy. Right. And you didn't really get why or how or they didn't go anywhere with it. And he wasn't around long enough for them to really flesh it right. out. Right. Yeah. No, that's part and of it so for sure. You got a really kind of quick one-dimensional character, and then. Really, I mean, John is building on that. So you have that, and then you add that to John's character, and I think it that itself, like you said, that itself gives him more depth right off the bat. Right. And then it helps that they they wrote they wrote him better, and so he's not yes. you know just a angry right. guy. He becomes teammate. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I'm not sure how much they really do with that, but at least 
initially he's a lot more interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he probably suffers a little bit for a long time. Really? Well, I mean, he, he was really cool in, in Remender's X-Force stuff, but um, or was he in that that much? Maybe he was in the X-Force before that. I don't remember. But anyway, he's good in X-Force, the, the more recent X-Force. Yeah. Um, but I think during the Liefeld days, he definitely kind of becomes just, hey, I'm strong. <laughs> like like, proud, like his older brother was, kind of strong. Right. But... But no, I I thought this was a good introduction to him. I don't. I think his first appearance was actually in New Mutants. I think this is his second or third appearance, but yeah. it's the first time I ever read him, and so I thought it was a pretty good introduction. Yeah. Um, I thought the X Men came off pretty well. Enjoyed Wolverine particularly, as usual. As well. Um, I don't know the whole Nightcrawler beating himself up thing. How do you feel about that? I'm kind of on the fence. Um, uh, it's okay. I mean, it just depends on. You feel like it fits him? I mean, is being the leader a good enough excuse to make him not happy-go-lucky? That the the responsibility, the weight of the team kind of changes his personality? Okay. I kind of think so, because I feel like the idea of him, because he was so happy-go-lucky, now that he's the leader, I feel like it makes him take it even more seriously. Because he's like, well, I I wasn't really up for the task, or he didn't feel like he was. Right. And they put him in that position. And so, you know, I mean, I think it works. You don't want him to dwell on it too much, and it turns into just like a guilt complex guy. Right. But I think the idea that he's a little harder on himself than some other people might have been, I think think that fits him. Cool. All right. Uh, Like I said, I was kind of on the fence, but uh, I'll I'll, I'll buy what you're selling. That sounds good to me. (laughs) So. All right. Well, I thought this was a good, like I said, a good follow up to the story it kind of uh, sprung from. I thought it was a good way to kind of celebrate the X Men and celebrate this team. Um, when are you going to grade on Kenny X Men One Ninety Three? I think I'm going to go five. Okay. I, I kind of like waffled. What? I said I feel like that's too high though. Yeah, it's too high. I actually waffled between a five and a six. Yeah, I really enjoyed this issue. I thought it was really fun. I think I I'm ending up on a five out of six claws as well. But that was really I like the art. I like the story. I don't really like the Hellions. Thunderbird, I like. Firestar, I like okay. Empath and Roulette, I don't like at all. <laughs> no. So I could care less that they even exist. A couple of lame <laughs> characters aside, I thought it was a thought it was a really good story. I liked yeah. seeing Banshee again, that was fun. Yeah, even if it was just to see him get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> but um. But anyway, yeah, so, all right, so you're going to give it, what did you say, four or five? Yeah, no, I'll stick with five. All right, so we're both going to give uh, Uncanny X-Men 193 five out of six claws. All right, we are going to do 194 now. Uncanny X-Men 194. So we got Chris Claremont, writer, John Romita Jr., penciler, Dan Green, and Steve Leola. Leia Aloha. Leia Aloha, yeah. Leia Aloha, there you go. Yeah. Finishers. Finishers. Finish. <laughs> <laughs> ah, jinx. And then Glennis Oliver as the colorist. Tom Borzachowski is the letterer. So, Juggernaut's back in town. All right, so the cover. We have a picture of a really stupid-looking robot <laughs> picking up a very melodramatic juggernaut 
while he's also blasting what looks to be a someone took a bunch of X-Men toys and put the pieces together. Yes. Mixed all the pieces up. Yeah. The rogue to end all X-Men is what I wrote. That's right. <laughs> with, with terrible, terrible legs. Yes. I, I do not like this cover. No. I think Juggernaut... Actually, I, while I agree it's melodramatic, I actually kind of like Juggernaut here. Yeah. Um, so, so I meant to change your nickname in the introduction. And I was going to say... The worst thing about the future is pink GoBots. <laughs> he I think, does look like a GoBot. I think Nimrod That's looks like a, a GoBot. Like a yeah, knockoff, trans, a uh, just a poor man's Transformer. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. No, on the yeah. covers, it's not great. No. Disappointing cover. That Claw Rogue Crawler looks horrible. <laughs> yeah. But. Claw Rogue Crawler. <laughs> All right. We open up the streets of New York City with sirens and cops yelling and people running and a juggernaut in his street clothes in what kind of looks like a MC Hammer suit <laughs> walking down the street and he comes to a cop and says, hey officer, what's the trouble? And the officer says, juggernaut's back in town, which that's the title sequence, Yeah. which is funny because juggernaut is so damn big. I know. I this kills the me. idea I don't... that no one recognizes him is really silly to me. Yeah. That the oh the juggernaut's out there. Here's a guy that's five times the size of a normal person, but he can't be the juggernaut because he doesn't have a helmet. So yeah. So that's kind of weird. <laughs> so juggernaut's back in town. Everyone's freaking out. Uh, no one seems to recognize him. Uh, then we cut to checking on each X Men in a yeah. funny series of panels where you have a nightcrawler who's stayed up too late watching some movie called the crimson pirate, which sounds a little pornographic to me, but, <laughs> um, and it was 2am. So, and then he has a conversation with his television about juggernaut for some reason. Then we check in with Kitty. Who's too sleepy to wake up. Yeah. We check in with Colossus. Who's lamenting the fact that he misses professor X and then takes off his PJs in the most dramatic way ever. <laughs> and those are, when you take off your PJs that way, you can't put them back on. Yeah, because it doesn't, you know, he, he armors up, and it's not like the Hulk where it just rips and tears apart. He armors up, and it literally explodes off of his body. <laughs> As if he was wearing the tightest PJs of all time, right. and then grew to a much bigger size, and they just burst everywhere. So then we have two panels of a sad Rachel, two panels of a sexy rogue taking a shower. <laughs> Just because. Just because. Why not? Because we're doing shower scenes now. That's, that's right. part of the X-Men. Bath and shower scenes. And then we have Wolverine. Those X-Men sure are queen. That's right. And we have Wolverine taking a run, jog in. Barefoot in the snow. Mono, but looks kind of like purple PJs. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be like a gi, but. Yeah, I think so. It kind of has the PJ looks about it. So um, so he comes in the house and basically gets everybody up. It says, all right, we got to go deal with Juggernaut. So rallies the troops, basically. Uh, then we cut to Kenya, where we have a group of what looks like they're probably supposed to be poachers or something, uh, who basically gets fresh uh, with a African lady and starts to get a little rapey. Yeah, a little bit. And then another girl shows up and beats that guy up. Another girl? You mean Storm? I mean, uh, oh. 
<laughs> I thought those were two different people because she has the hat on. Oh. <laughs> no. I thought that was another character no, that this... had beat those guys up. And then before they tried to shoot her, no, this... Storm shows up with this... her mohawk. This is Storm proving that she doesn't need her powers to be a badass. Exactly. I Which love now that this I think section. About it, where yeah. did that girl go? So that really didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> you funny. weirdo. I'm so stupid sometimes. <laughs> anyway, so Storm shows up, kicks the crap out of those two guys, um, and then a blonde lady tries to shoot her, and so she knocks her down too. And then uh, basically the other African lady recognizes her and welcomes her back. Yeah. So she's back to Kenya, powerless but still a badass, as you said. Yeah. So we go back to New York. The X-Men are tailing Juggernaut, who's having a pretty average boring day he's at the bank doing running errands (laughs) (laughs) and they got this whole special ops following him thing going on which i found pretty humorous and then all of a sudden the bank blows up or a hole blows in the wall and we have battle nimrod yeah breaks through the door in his like you said 80s gobot glory we'll say and he says i am nimrod nimrod which i always thought was a terrible name for a robot. I know it's a biblical name, but... Yeah, it's all right. I always associated it, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because maybe my dad said this or maybe my, one of my cousins said this, but somebody in my early life used no. to use the word Nimrod. Like for an as, idiot. Like, oh, you, yeah. you Nimrod. Yeah. Yeah. That's not. Right, I think go. that's fairly common. Yeah, well, that's why I, I, something I'd heard, but I don't know where I'd originally heard that. But. Yeah. So, so I'm, I've always just assumed this robot was dumb. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I, you know, it's like, well, that was a joke about it. And I always thought, well, it's a biblical name, too. And so maybe there's, I don't really remember what Nimrod did in the Bible. But I don't either. But I'm he sure wasn't there's... stupid. So I don't know why the, the thing was there. Anyway, who cares? Purple Nimrod busts the door and um, he basically starts attacking Juggernaut. And then Juggernaut, who, as we've said over and over again, somehow is still powerful without his helmet. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand old school Juggernaut. Blasted with an energy burst. It doesn't bother him. No. He rips all his clothes off like Colossus did somehow. Puts his helmet on. Okay, well, t- I have a question because I don't remember this being the case. When his helmet's not on, is it like, does it fold up? I didn't think so, but. When his helmet. Point, all right, so like after Nimrod blasts him, yeah, it's tucked yeah. into his belt, like flat against his stomach. Then he pulls it out and sticks it on his head. It's like hard as rock. Maybe it's cloth when it's not on his head. Maybe. That's yeah, weird. But I didn't I don't remember that either. I always thought his helmet is, was an iron helmet. Or yeah. a metal helmet. Yeah, I did too. That is weird. But either way, fights with the robot. The X-Men are confused. They don't know if to fight Juggernaut or fight the robot. They decide to fight the robot. Kitty determines that it is actually a robot and not a person in a suit rogue and wolverine do a fastball special which i thought was also cool yeah which i think they've done that before no not i don't think so they didn't do that in that first when they're that first them fighting together oh uh, maybe i feel like they did okay but, maybe so but i don't know but either way it's cool so she throws him kitty oh kitty determines nimrod is a robot she gets knocked out. Oh, that's right. She gets knocked out, and then she gives Rogue her powers. Right. Well, because she's when she figures out he's a robot, she tries to phase through him. Right. Because her power disrupts electronics, but it doesn't really work on Nimrod. Yeah, it doesn't work for whatever reason. So she gives Rogue her powers. So then Rogue decides to take Nightcrawler's power, too, 
and then turns into what did you say the x-men to end all x-men yes the rogue to end all x-men and so it turns into a weird metal nightcrawler phaser character <laughs> nimrod is confused which goes back to maybe this is because he's an idiot <laughs> He's confused that she has multiple powers, doesn't understand what's happening, and it causes him to lose the upper hand. So Brogue punches Nimrod, and he breaks apart. Then well, he puts she, himself back together. She tears his arm it's off, good. just like she did with Magus in that uh, um, the issue with the, um, what do you call the, uh, shit, what's the, techno-organic alien. She tore his big old arm off, too, so she... She's all up into tearing off arms. <laughs> she likes to rip an arm off. Yeah. Uh, but then he rebuilds himself. and then But then vape disappears. Not vaporizes, but teleports. Yeah. So then Juggernaut comes out of the wreckage. And is basically a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to fight me now? And Rogue says, man, we're not the cops. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was really funny. <laughs> so then he takes off. And then we have a little epilogue. Yeah, I call it an epilogue, but... No, it does. And actually, it's really cool. It has epilogue written down the side of the panel in really funky ah, letters. I didn't even see that. Yeah. Epilogue, there you go. Awesome. That was really so cool. an epilogue where we have the Soviet Nick Fury trying to figure out what's going on in America. <laughs> yeah. And he's confused because the X-Men were fighting Juggernaut and this weird robot. And he's not sure who's good and who's bad. I, I like this part because it kind of hints at this idea that the, the global powers, like there's a mutant, or if not mutant-specific, then at least a superhero arms race. I thought that yeah. was really interesting and really cool. Yeah, well, it goes back to, you know, 10 issues ago when Mystique and uh, what's-her-name go meet Forge. They're talking about that. Right, yes. That idea exactly. of, of assets and stuff. And so I thought it was the same kind of idea. Uh, it also reminded me of the show The Americans. You know, you don't watch that. No, I don't watch that. The context of, of people not knowing what's happening. You know, today everybody knows everything because the internet and just constant information. Right. Uh, but you know, back in the eighties, you have all the spying and and just that there, there's all this something something's playing out in America, and they want to know about it, but they can't just fa- find it out. They have to like spy and, and try to figure out who's on what side. And so they're trying to figure out this idea of the have people change sides, are the X-Men good guys or bad guys. They thought they were criminals, but maybe they're not. Right. It reminded me of, I mentioned the movie, the, the show The Americans, because they had a scene, in, I think it's in the first season, when Ronald Reagan, when the, the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan happened back in the, the mid-80s, mid the Soviets were all convinced that there was about to be a coup. Because that was kind of the way the Soviets had operated. So they right. thought he's going to die, generals are going to seize control, and America's going to become a dictatorship. But it's not how America works. And so <laughs> Reagan got better, and you know, the, the Secretary of State, everything was just kind of normal. Anyway, the show did a good job of showing that the, all the Soviet agents were like, we don't know what's going to happen. We think it was about to be a coup. We're confused. <laughs> but they were all wrong. And I, this made me think of that, because he's talking about the X-Men as criminals, but he just doesn't, he doesn't know what's actually happening, because they can't. You know, Cold War, man. That's how it is. So, yeah, pretty pretty good ending. Yeah. Pretty good ending to a weird story. <laughs> well, so, you know, you talked about the X, our little X-Men interludes when they're all waking up. I said uh, on page yeah. four, 
Kenny Pride, the ultimate snooze button. <laughs> and she phases her hand through her alarm clock. Yeah, just oh. disrupts it. I think, no, I think she actually smashes it. Because look, it says crack. Well, yeah, it breaks because it's electronic. So when she phases it, it all messes up. Uh, well, I didn't think when she phased through it, it, it made it break. It just oh. disrupted like the circuits and stuff. I don't know. Maybe but so. no, maybe you're right. <clears throat> I did think it was interesting. Without the annual we talked about, it's just an innocent pet sweeping in your bed. But after that creepy, weird ending of that annual, I thought it was really weird that Lockheed was sweeping on Kenny's bed. Right. Think maybe we were right. I agree with you. There is something going on <laughs> that we are not privy to. Yeah. And poor Ileana, she's got to sleep in there. Like a freshman in college, his roommate just discovered sex. Right. <laughs> He's got to hide in her bed and just pretend like it's not happening. Right. Try not to get uh, shot with flame breath. Yeah. 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 So I really enjoyed a Wolverine's barefoot in the snow stroll and all his, I thought I his, his internal monologue was pretty cool. Talks about what a rough year they've had. And his flesh is healing, but what about his mind? Uh, it kind of talks about all the leaders and how, you know, it's too tough for Nightcrawler, but he's the best we got. I can't do it. <laughs> um, Kenny's, Kenny's not ready yet. I thought it was a cool little, just another insight into into Wolverine, kind of as not the leader, but kind of the uh, backbone of the team. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I like Storm being a badass. I love that Although, scene. Yeah. It's kind of a random interlude. Yeah. But... It's kind of just like, oh, here's Storm. She's still doing stuff. Right. And she doesn't need her powers to kick your ass. That's right. I kind of wanted a little more of that and less of... Uh, yeah, Neuron. yeah. <laughs> that oh, will be like, reflected in like my... I Storm beat up some poachers a little bit more. Sex but... offenders. Just those guys were clearly moving in both directions. Right. Um, I did think it was interesting on the next page after our storm interlude, Wolverine's talking, and, and here's Wolverine, our, our guy who loves fighting. And he says, <laughs> but only a fool picks a scrap when there's no need. Because Colossus is like, he's itching. Because remember that bar, after that bar fight, right. where Juggernaut kind of handed him his butt. The bar <laughs> yeah. yeah, he loves that yellow turtleneck. <laughs> That weird yellow turtleneck that also has those hoodie <laughs> sleeves in the front so he can stick his hands in there. Yeah. It's a weird, weird. shirt. It's um, a weird shirt. I actually kind of like the reveal of Nimrod because I think the background is awesome. <laughs> the background is very cool. Although it looks like a set. Like well, because he burned a hole through the wall and then we see the alley behind the wall. It does. Yeah. It does look like an old Hollywood set. Here's the trash can. Um, I said... Nimrod's- Nimrod's oh. little vision is really lame for for supposing to be from the future. Yes, but it's very 80s, like sci-fi, Terminator slash Predator. But I feel slash. like even for the 80s, there should be more information on those screens. Uh. scan marks these primary targets. <laughs> That's lame. Yeah. So I love the last panel on page 13, where we have the Juggernaut crackling with uh, energy and he goes that makes me mad yeah I liked that too oh, that was a really cool that was actually the uh, the banner on my twitter for a little while um, <laughs> that's cool 
<laughs> so on, uh, on page 17, Nimrod says something that made me go, really? Really? In Nimrod's future, Ariel is the code name that stuck? <laughs> I, I forgot about that. I forgot he said Ariel. Yeah. And then he hits Kenny with the fat beam on the bottom of page 17. It literally looks like Weird Al from the fat video. And she gets she gets shot with this laser and just balloons. She's wearing another giant shirt. Eighties <laughs> eighties yeah. ladies love giant shirts. That's a thing. Right. Okay, so I had a little bit of a beef on page nineteen when we're making our super mutant. Rome can't absorb power through clothes, can she? I don't think so. But she kinda does. That does and that's the whole reason she wears gloves. Yep. Unless she's like on her way to touch her in the neck and her hand just happened to be on the shirt at that point. Then why show us that panel and not the panel where she actually absorbs the powers? Well, I concur with you. (laughs) But maybe the censors wouldn't let her, let them have her. I don't know. Just kidding. I don't know. No, I was just, I agree. It doesn't make sense. I thought that too when when she touched him. I do like uh, Juggernaut's inner helmet. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I did too. Yeah. I liked it because it looked like a G.I. Joe helmet. It did, very much. Some kind of viper. The later G.I. Joe. Yeah. All right, so uh, what do you think of the art in this one? Um, It's good. I was going to make one more comment. Oh, about yeah. Soviet Nick Fury has really short shorts. I found that oh, also. Yes, nice. he does. Yeah. Yeah, very short running shorts. Which, again, is classic 80s, but... Yeah. He's about uh, to go overall, train with Ivan Drago. Yeah. The art is not bad. It's good. It's not as I good as the last like, one. I don't like Nimrod. It's yeah. just not. It's not that the. It's not that the art is bad. It's that he is just not a, a cool looking character. No. And so for whatever whoever's concept that was, I think John Romita Jr. draws him about as good as he can be drawn. He just doesn't look cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree. I think you can definitely tell. It's funny. You can really tell the panels that Lay Aloha eat if you're familiar with his style. Because yeah. it kind of they kind of stick out like a sore thumb. So, yeah, I agree. I thought the art was pretty good, but not as good as the last issue. The story, I thought, was pretty good, too. It was okay. Uh, the storm part was my favorite part. And about Nimrod, I said the idea of Nimrod is cool. The execution was adequate. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not even sure if I'd go adequate, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, well, any anything else you want to say before we grade this one? Eh, not really. All right, when are you going to grade Uncanny X-Men 194? Um, I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Because it's not bad. It's just, and there's there's some interesting points to it. I just don't like Nimrod. All it right. just looks too dumb, really. It's just the main thing. <laughs> I went just a hair higher. I gave it four out of six claws, but I think we're in the same neighborhood anyway. Of, yeah, of if, if Nimrod looked a little bit cooler, I think four would, would be a good place for it to be because yeah. the stories are pretty decent, but yeah. he just looks too dumb. I mean, he looks like 70s dumb. Right. You know, I think that's what's weird about it is we're now we're deep into the 80s, and that looks like a Micronauts character from the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
You know, it's weird. You know, you know what it really kind of reminds me of or makes me think of? What's that? It seems like a character like that was designed to be a toy, but there wasn't yeah. an X-Men line of toys at this time, so you can't use that as a crutch. Like, some of the G.I. Joe comic designs, it's like, okay, that's dumb, but it, that was an act, like, that was designed to be an action figure, and they just also stuck it in the comic. Right. And that's kind of what I feel like Nimrod's design looks like, is this was designed to be an action figure, but there was no action figure for it to be, so it was just, I don't know, that part's just kind of weird to me. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a, that's a good point. He definitely does look like it, he, he's drawn to be something you can make into a toy. Right. Especially a free toy you get when you buy a Happy Meal. Right, or, yes, yes, he looks like a Happy Meal toy. That is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that is perfect. That doesn't move, except the one arm. Right, one that arm one moves, arm and, there's, moves and maybe the eyes the light up when you push a there's button. There's a button on his back that you yeah. press, and the arm goes up, and his <laughs> eyes light up. <laughs> there it is. Perfect. I think we should end on that note. Cause yeah, I think so. We too. can't do any better than that. So that was... So not Nimrod's first appearance, but his first kind of big reveal. He's been in the background of a couple issues, but this is our first big Nimrod story, and he'll he'll be around for a little while, so we'll encounter him some more down the road. But um, anyway, that's Uncanny X-Men 194. All right, well, that's going to do it for our uh, giant-sized celebration. Hope you enjoyed it. Cameron, thanks for coming on as usual. Um... Always. Yeah, we'll keep it short and sweet. What do you got? What do you want to plug? My podcast is about to come back online. Uh-oh! Let's go! Talking the world. We have one coming up in the next day or two. Sweet. Uh, that is actually just a recording of a panel that I did. It's not actually history banter, but it's it's um, similar to what we did, just a more serious version. But then uh-huh. we're going to be recording this next week, a couple of, probably a couple of episodes, and so... We're hoping to get that back up. History Mantra Podcast, for those of you who may or uh, may not know or remember. Um, we'll have that up soon. Um, you can follow me at Cameron Sinclair. You can follow History Banter at History Banter. Our website's still kind of a disaster, but you can find the podcast on <laughs> iTunes. So Sounds we're, good. Uh, we're still in the midst of a transition, and, and probably by the end of the summer we should have everything how we want it. But, but yeah, otherwise that's pretty much all I got. Cool. Well, why I'm here, <laughs> because I know he'll listen. I just want to let Pat know on, you know, I've got some pretty good feedback on his episode when he uh, guested. And uh, particularly, Georgie wanted me to let you know, since you're not, not on Twitter, Pat, that he thought you really classed up the joint. So I <laughs> just want to throw that out there, Pat, that people were, were enjoying your episode. And uh, we'll definitely uh, kind of try to keep the, the guest coming when we can. So um, yeah. I enjoyed all of them. Yeah, I, I, it was really fun, and hopefully, hopefully we're not done with that. Except so, for that Andrew Autry guy. Whew, that guy, man. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Yeah, that's all right. Well, so for the podcast that goes snicked, uh, please, if you want, leave an iTunes review, like the Facebook page, Twitter is at SnickCast, and um, yeah, I guess that's about it. So... Until next time, everybody, and I don't know what next time will be. Uh, I don't even really know exactly when this episode is going to fall, but um, it will be out because <laughs> you will be hearing it, obviously. It'll be about Wolverine, I bet. Yeah, 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 definitely. There will be some snick, snick, 
hostage involved. Uh, no, I'm, I will cut that out. Nickting. <laughs> Snickery. Yeah. <laughs> Snick. I like that Snicker one. doodles. Those are my favorite. Those are Wolverine. Hey, hey, Cameron. What are, what are Wolverine's favorite cookies? I don't know what. Snickerdoodles. Oh, but I'm... <laughs> and on that, we are out. I'll be here all week. <laughs> all right. See you guys. Bye. You say bye. You just want me to cut it. Oh, I thought you already stopped recording. <laughs> are we still recording? <laughs> say bye, damn it. Bye, everybody. <laughs>